give me a few minutes to show you from the Word of God a little bit about singing that the Bible has there as we get set to have a singing camp tomorrow. Open your Bibles with me to a verse I shared with you this week by email, and that is Psalm 47. Psalm 47. The noise that we just made, made, which is very different from speaking, God created it, God ordained it, God loves it, God delights in it, and we just gave him what he appreciates. Old Testament and New Testament alike. Psalm 47, verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. Why? For God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Now, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that we are to pray with the Spirit and pray with the understanding. And the Bible says to sing with the Spirit and to sing with the understanding in the New Testament because the New Testament is based much more on understanding than the Old Testament was, which was a lot of rituals that didn't have much understanding associated with them. However, David by the Holy Spirit right here tells us that singing that truly pleased the Lord was with understanding in the Old Testament as well. There we have five imperative verbs of singing to the Lord. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises, for God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. We just sang three great songs. Come thou fount of every blessing. We need that fountain to come. Or we won't be blessed. There is a fountain. And not just the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God in the Bible is compared to water. And we want to have a fountain inside of us, flowing out of us, of the Holy Spirit. And then glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. Isaiah is going to be about Zion being overthrown, first of all protected from the Assyrians, but then overthrown by the Babylonians. But that Zion has been replaced by the New Testament Zion. And glorious things are spoken of the New Testament Zion. And then we sing blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. The personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ can give blessed assurance and can give perfect submission to his will. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. A New Testament verse about singing. Ephesians chapter 5. We want to be like David. We like the example that the Bible gives us about David. One of the things we want to remember about David is he was a musician at the top of the list of his traits and accomplishments. He was a musician. The Bible refers to the instruments he invented, the instruments he played, the orchestras, choirs, and choruses that he organized, the lyrics that he wrote for the songs, he did it all. And God loved David. And God delighted in David. David said, God even liked me. He said, of all my father's sons, he liked me. And one thing David liked was to sing. So all of you children that are going to be here tomorrow, all of you youth that are going to be here, to be like David is to love singing. Not just to sing, but to love doing it. And to do it passionately. And to do it for him. Ephesians chapter 5, 
tells us in verse 18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What does a person do when they're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's why we have three hymnals, three songbooks. We have psalms, we have hymns, and we have spiritual songs. Singing, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This past week, I also wrote you when writing you about singing that I asked you, when you're in a funk, do you sing? <laughs> no, it, does, it just doesn't go with being in a funk, nope. being depressed, being discouraged. You don't want to sing. So should we wait until we're happy to sing or should we get happy and sing? Amen. We should get happy and sing. I'm in the ministry because I learned that lesson that way. I told a man that wanted to ordain me that the Bible says, take the oversight thereof willingly, and I'm not willing. So don't ordain me. I wanted a few more years to play at the bank. And this man said to me, when the Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, does that mean we wait until we're cheerful before we give? Or does it mean to get cheerful and give? Right. That's what it means when it says, take the oversight thereof willingly. Yep. Get willing. Yep. Um, and it worked. Um, so we want to we sing this way. We want to sing cheerfully as unto the Lord. And you can't do it when you're in a funk. So we want to confess our funks to the Lord, get over them and sing. Notice this verse, just very quickly. I'm not, I don't want to get off on the fact that we don't use musical instruments and why we don't use them. We've got three extensive documents on our website that explain that. No one used musical instruments in any church of Jesus Christ prior to 1850 or 1825. It's a very new and recent invention, but that's a subject for another time. I just want to point out to this one verse, uh, verse 19, it says, Speaking, and a piano doesn't speak. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is congregational singing. Singing, it says. It doesn't say playing. It says singing. And it says that we start it by a melody in our hearts. So there's a melody that comes out of our mouths, but it starts in our hearts. So it says speaking, which is communicating words. And it says singing, which is communicating words in a melodic way. And the melody starts in our hearts by getting over our funks. Because you won't sing when you're in a funk. And so it's right there. We don't get drunk. We don't drink wine to excess, but we're filled with the Spirit, and this is the effect. God created it. Listen to the definition of singing from the uh, standard English dictionary. Think about this. How do your children learn to talk? It's, to talk is a learned skill. If you just grunted around the house, what would your children do? They would grunt. If you didn't make any noises, what would they do? They would learn not to make any noises. Singing is a, singing is a learned skill. Right. If you do not sing in the home and do not expose them to singing, children do not automatically sing. I know none of you can even imagine it because we grew up around it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Listen to the definition of singing. God created it. To articulate or utter words or sounds 
in succession with musical inflections or modulations of the voice, so as to produce an effect entirely different from that of ordinary speech. Specifically, to do so in a skilled manner as the result of training and practice. That is the definition of singing. To sing, the verb, sing. To articulate or utter words or sounds in succession with musical inflections or modulations of the voice so as to produce an effect entirely different from that of ordinary speech, specifically to do so in a skilled manner as the result of training and practice, and that is why we have a singing camp. Do we condemn any other churches because they don't have singing camps? No. Would God condemn us if we didn't have a singing camp? Only if he knew that we knew we should. Because then we put an obligation upon ourselves. A singing camp is a Christian liberty of a church. Instead of using the word Christian liberty, it's a church liberty. Our church does many things in our liberty as a church. Because the Bible says only a little, a few things of what a church does about its assemblies, its order of assemblies, and what it actually does, there are very few things listed in the New Testament. And so churches are given liberty as long as that liberty is within the parameters of New Testament worship. And we have... We have a number of things that we do. God created vocal cords. God created your tongue. Your tongue is so important to God that he calls it your glory in the book of Psalms several times. That thing is my glory. Because with that thing, we can give God something that he delights in. And that is verbalized prayer, verbalized praise, verbalized worship that can be done by speaking, preaching, talking, or singing. So the tongue is very important. God created singing as much as he created languages. What happened at the Tower of Babel? He created languages. What happened in Isaiah 28? He created an, a, a farming. The ability to look at a grain and know what to do with that grain, how it is planted, how it is raised, protected, harvested, produced, and turned into a foodstuff is a gift from heaven. Nations that are not agricultural had that wisdom withheld from them. Because Isaiah 28, the last six verses, say it is a special gift from God to know how to do that. And, it's, and it lists some of the grains in Isaiah 28 and how farmers know how to handle each one of them. It's a gift from heaven. And so is the gift to sing. He gave us the tools to do it. Then he told us to do it. He ordained us to do it. And then he told us how he wants us to do it. He wants us to do it skillfully. He wants us to do it with our understanding. He wants us to do it loudly. That makes me happy. It makes him happy when we're putting something into it. It is a shame that we all know how to cheer an athletic team and forget to cheer with the same intensity when we're praising God. We, we should exceed what they do for their teams. Singing is as much of a New Testament ordinance as water baptism or the Lord's Supper. If you don't think so, you're still partly a Catholic. Right. Because you've got those two as sacraments. And you're exalting them a little too highly. Because an ordinance is just something God has ordained for us to do, and he's commanded it in the New Testament. If God ordained it, then we shouldn't neglect it, resent it, or minimize it. 
Some people call singing a necessary evil, part of a church service. We should never talk about it that, that way. Right. If God ordained it, it serves a very useful purpose to him in heaven and to men on earth. The first song in the Bible is the song of Moses, Exodus 15. The last song in the Bible is the song of Moses, Revelation 15, with a few modifications. It would say ALT, alternate version in Revelation 15. But those are the first and last songs in the Bible. God would not have created singing and then ordained it unless it brings him delight. David brought him much delight. Since God likes singing, let's do it with passion. David built a temple. It wasn't required. It wasn't suggested. It was his idea going above and beyond. This is church liberty. We never want to do just what is required. That is nothing. That's why why it says in the Bible, tithes and offerings. What, What means something to the Lord? The offerings. The free will offerings. Because that's above and beyond the tithe. We owe him the tithe. When we give the Lord something that we don't owe him, it's a tremendous gift that we're giving to him. David did so by wanting to build the temple for the Lord. David went above and beyond bare duty. We want to go above and beyond bare duty. Saul, King Saul, ignored that little box, the little Ark of the Covenant. It sat in a man's house for the 40 years of his reign. As soon as David was king, he did something about it. And we want to be a church that does something about it. If God ordained singing, God created the ability to sing. God told us how to sing. He exhorted us to sing. We want to sing and we want to do it passionately. Paul was never average or content. He said, now I've reached average. I've averaged the other 15 apostles and they work so hard, I'm only going to work that hard. No, 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 no. Paul didn't think that way. David didn't think that way. Those two men were exceptions, and we want to be exceptions like them. David was a musician. If you want to be like David, you're going to love singing. There was nothing effeminate about David. When he wasn't singing, he was killing lions, bears, giants, and others. Hezekiah copied him 340 years after he died. Second Chronicles 29. You know, if you read the chapters, you'll know all that. Hezekiah was copying David the methods, instruments, and organization of his players and singers. And Josiah was doing it 440 years later, and it's mentioned in 2 Chronicles 35. David did it all. Look at Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Let's see how David wrote about it. Psalm 104. Just give me a few more minutes, and we're going to sing again. Are you ready to sing again? Or do I need to read Psalm 47 again that has it five times in two verses? If, if the Lord loves it, we should want to do it. And if David knew that the Lord loved it, we should want to do it like David did. There, you know there are many references to David in singing. I'm just going to give you a few. 104, 33. I will sing unto the Lord once a week. I will sing unto the Lord when I'm pressed into it. I will sing unto the Lord when I have to go to singing camp. I will, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Do you want to know what your purpose for is in the universe? We're on this little speck of dust in, in the universe called the earth. Here we are floating around. What is our purpose? How do I fulfill my destiny? David knew. 
while I have any being, I'm going to use those vocal cords and that glory that is hanging in my mouth to the praise of God. It's a wonderful text right there, 104.33. Look at 146 in verse 2. It's quite different. 146 in verse 2. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God, unto my God while I have any being. I just wanted to get your attention by telling you it was different. If it's the same and it's in the Bible twice, by the rule of emphasis, David's conveying a point to us that the Lord wants us to know. While I have my being. Do you know why you should want to preserve your life? Not to have fun. Why do you want to preserve your life? We're going to learn, we're going to learn why in Isaiah 38. In Isaiah 38, Hezekiah in prayer is going to tell the Lord why he wants more time. You know why? So that he can praise God more. Right. Because if I die right now at the age of 39, this is going to be silent in a coffin. But if you'll give me 15 more years, I will let it rip for your praise. You're, we're going to learn it in chapter 38. You, you should already know it because I've taught it to you before. Look at 147 and verse 1. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely. It's good to sing praises unto our God. It's a pleasant thing to do. If it isn't pleasant to you, Make it pleasant. Choose it to be pleasant. Choose to change the way you look at life. He loves to hear a noise from our mouths praising him for being a great God. When those athletic teams run out, when, when the Patriots run out onto the field at Gillette Stadium, they run out to thundering praise, and they love it. It energizes them. They can jump higher, run faster, hit harder than without it. And we, we want to do that for the Lord. Well, when does he run out in the field for a... Oh, don't ask me a question like that. He has done everything for us. He's done everything for us. And we should be shouting his praise. 147.1. Jesus, Jesus sang. The Bible tells us after the Last Supper, and they sung a hymn and went out. And it fulfilled Psalm 22 and Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus sang hymns. They didn't play, they sang, and Jesus sang. You know what I'm doing is I'm saving singing time. Reading is a learned skill. I've mentioned church liberty. We have church liberty. Do you know how we're going to use our church liberty always? Never to do less like other churches. They want to figure out how they can do less and still be called a church. We want to do more. And that is not more to a point of foolishness, just like you know I canceled a 4th of July event because events were getting to be too many. But when it comes to worship, we're not going to do less. We're not going to figure out what's the minimum so that we're still called a church. We want to give him extra right. church liberty. Then, above and beyond, the call of duty. David never settled for what was just duty. We don't want to just give tithes. We want to give offerings. We don't just want to barely sing. We want to sing a lot. David didn't want the Lord to have to be worshipped in a tent called a tabernacle. He wanted to build him an exceeding magnificent temple. And so we want to do that with singing by doing it better than if we didn't have singing camp or we didn't have sermons like this or we didn't have song services like we do from time to time. 
Then we want to remember that singing is a learned skill. So the singing camp serves a purpose as an aid. We do not want an addition of musical instruments, which changes it from singing to playing. We want to learn how to sing, but it's a learned skill, and singing camp is an aid. Just like the songbooks. There's nothing in the Bible about a songbook. Are we unscriptural because we have three songbooks? If we are, we're triple bad. Because we have three versus most churches that have one, are we wrong or is it an aid? Is a songbook an addition to worship or an aid to worship according to singing? And so is singing camp. So we embrace it and we do it because we want to be more like David. We want to give the Lord as much as we can. Reading is crucial. I tried to convey to you that a man that doesn't know how to read, he opens the Bible and it's like going into a dark warehouse at night. It's worthless to him. Singing is taught and it's learned. It's not a natural use of the voice. It has to be taught and it needs to be an example. And I, I thank the Lord for elementary school and some of those poor teachers that had to take me on at the age of seven and at the age of six, five, and eight and teach me the scale and teach me how to sing and how to wait my turn. Be careful. I know there's more like me in this room. But I thank the Lord for that. And I thank the Lord for a musical mother who pressed those skills on me at a very young age. Singing is a learned skill, as much or more than talking, as much or more than reading, and we want to think about that. And that's what we do singing camp for, so that we know how to do what God wants us to do. You know, the, we're supposed to read. I'm supposed to read. If I don't know how to read, if I don't get better at reading, and I don't learn how to read fast, and I don't learn how to read with comprehension, what good will the Bible be to me? And, and so we're hind the Lord's chosen. I was not trying to be funny. I wanted you to think about it. The Lord could have made a wisdom tree that had wisdom nuts hanging on it, and all you would have to go out and do is pick a few wisdom nuts, eat the wisdom nuts, and have wisdom. God did not choose to convey wisdom that way at all. He, he chose to convey it in writing. God chose to reveal it in writing. It's not in cloud formations. It's not in ant formations. It's, it's a book. And so we got to learn how to read, and he wants us to sing. So we need to learn how to sing. Look at 33. Psalm 33, three aspects of singing. I hope you've got your lungs back because I'm almost done. Just give me a couple more minutes. Psalm 33, I want us to, everything we do in this church better have a Bible basis for it. Right. And that's what I'm reminding you of right now. I have done this before. I'm doing it again. Psalm 33, verse 3, sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. There are three aspects of music in verse 3. Creativity, skill, and volume. Do you see those three things in that verse? Verse 3, creativity, a new song, skill, skillfully, and volume with a loud noise. Why? Why should we do that? Why should we worry about a new song, which Singing Camp teaches our children new songs, why should we want to do it skillfully, and why should we want to do it loudly? Here's the reason. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. The word and works of God should move you to want to sing creatively, skillfully, and loud. The word and works. It's all there. It's the worship of our great God. He chose singing. Singing might not be my ordinary choice of worshiping him. 
I don't bounce through life singing. I'm not a sanguine. It might not be, but you know what? If it's God's choice, it's my choice. Right, right. And if it's David's choice, it's my choice. And the, between the two of them, I square that up, and I better like singing. Yeah. I want to thank the Lord right now for my father. I want to thank my father on Father's Day for marrying a very musical woman. That woman was musical. Let her hear a couple bars of any song and sit her down at a piano, and you had it. Then I would ask her, would you please transpose that a half step higher? She'd do it right there in the spot, one second. Then I'd ask her, how about two and a half steps lower? She'd do it. I had fun doing that to her. And she enjoyed doing it. I wanted her to cheer me in athletics and other foolish endeavors of young men. I wanted to cheer her in what she was very good at. Thank you, Dad, for marrying our mother. She sang to me about the love of Jesus Christ when I was in her belly. I want to thank you, Father, for all the music in our home was about the Lord. We never had worldly music. We didn't care about classical music. All, all the music was always about the Lord. If it wasn't about the Lord, it's not worth playing in this house. I grew up not even knowing there was a different kind of music until I went to the public schools. and then, But the Lord saved me from all that. Father, I want to thank you for hardwiring a speaker at the end of the hallway outside my bedroom so that I went, to, I went to sleep at night hearing gospel songs. I want to thank you, Father, for taking the youth group of that Baptist church to a concert. Of, everyone was raving about Thurlow Spur and the Spurlows, a gospel group, a Christian rock group, Everyone was raging about it, so my dad took the youth group to it. A couple songs into it, dad's youth group had to stand up and file out of that place in the middle of it, and I thank God for my father. Amen. And what he taught me about music and what he taught me against certain kinds of music. You know, we live in the perilous times of the last days, and churches are changing the form of music. You know, it's not, they don't sing loud. They have amplifiers, so they blow your brains out with it. You know, it's a feeling. Rick Warren of the Saddleback Community Church says, you got to feel the music. Nowhere in the Bible does it say feel the music. It says you got to understand the music, and you're conveying words and wisdom and doctrine. We live in perilous times, and what we're trying to do is keep away from those perilous times. We're, t we're stepping back, and we're teaching our children how to sing and how to learn how to sing, how to look at notes, how to sight read. Um, music. You know, my mother couldn't, couldn't look at music and play it. She could play it, but it, it, she had a gift. But, you know, not, not everybody has those gifts, so we learn how to... See that board over there to the left? There's shapes on that thing, and our children are going to learn how to sing by looking at the notes in a book. And that's all very good. It's an aid to singing, and so we want to use every aid that we can to be better. We don't want to make an addition I hate additions, but we want to use every aid we can to do something that God loves in both Testaments. We want to do it well. Right. We want to do it with new songs once in a while. I know I'm an old, trust me, I'm a creature of habit. If I've sung it a million times, one million and one will be better than ever before. <laughs> but you know the verse now, Psalm 33. 
because we want to give him creativity, we want to give him skill, we want to give him volume, and we want to do it with our understanding, and we want it to start with a melody in our hearts, and the lyrics are always according to true doctrine. We have it. That's what we're supposed to do. And so we want to do it. It's a cop-out to describe your singing as a joyful noise. That's jesting with the Bible when you say that. When the Bible uses the words joyful noise, it's talking about skillful singing and playing. It's not talking about people that are lazy and don't learn how to sing. So don't, don't jest with the Bible. Anything God has ordained, we should do it zealously while keeping the due order. Right. So we reject drums. We don't have any drums. Because nowhere do we read that we're supposed to keep some rhythm. But we have rhythm because we follow the rhythm of singing. And we have a singing camp, but we don't have drums. We draw a line. We don't have additions. We have aids. Thank you, Lord, for that. Church liberty. That's what we're doing. Why do we have a singing camp? It's our church liberty to use it as an aid so that we sing better for the greater glory of God and the benefit of those that come in among us. So that 1 Corinthians 14 can be fulfilled when people come in and sit among us, they hear congregational singing where almost everyone is participating it's glorifying god it's according to doctrine it's done well it's done skillfully it's done loudly it's done passionately it's done like david would do it it's done like the lord jesus christ would do it those are a few comments about singing now eric let's sing